Hello everyone, I am Brennan Sahajan and I tend bar at Washington State's best beer bar, the Manitou Tap House. I decided to make a podcast because the regular customers who come in are the most eclectic group of people I have ever met. And I want all of you to know the perspective and stories from the people from my bar. My guest today is a strong, independent woman from a small town with a rural upbringing, a career in radio marketing, and now working in the medical field with product introduction via insurance. A genuine sweetheart who makes a mean Kahlua, which you can hear me drinking, Kia Nielsen. We are recording. All right, Kia, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. And I know that your time is important, um, so I'm honored. Let's jump into it. Uh, and you've studied the questions. Oh, this is a recliner. Yes, it is. Uh, <clears throat> Just be comfortable. Yeah. Put it on back. Um, so you read the questions. This first one is a doozy. Well, the first two, really. So who are you and what led up to you being that person? This actually is not a hard question for me. Good. I've done a lot of work to be who I am. Um, who I am now is someone that is strong and empowered, and I have a big heart. I am caring and giving, and also very self-protective. So there's a very there's a balance that I have given my history of knowing how to stand up for myself, love myself first, but also a major priority is to be there for the others in my life. My friends, my family, the people I care about. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't allow drama in my life, so my priority is to have a, a solid, healthy environment around me. That's great. That sounds like counseling or something new. Three years, <laughs> yes. In work, yeah. <laughs> A lot of work. <clears throat> Took well, a lot of work. Well, right on. Oh, that's pretty easy. So, when when you think about the voice inside your head, when your mind, your consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that's that is what you're thinking is is the thing, is uh, everything you just described, or is there more to it? Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're asking about being more to it is um, I suffer from extreme and severe depression mm -hmm. and when you get to a place in your life that a lot of people don't understand and you see your choice as ending your life or making your life better um, there's a choice you have to make and for me it was the ending my life wasn't an option it was instinctive in me to know that that wasn't who I was. Even though I was in a dark place, I knew I had to find my way. And so... Well, that's awesome. I don't think that a lot of people that suffer from depression think that way. Um, I believe there was divine intervention. Um, either God, my mom, whatever. In those dark moments, there was, there was a voice that said, this isn't you don't go this way and that was minutes before I was about to drive off a bridge oh that's great and I'm glad you did not no I'm glad I did not too and 
And I'm glad that I attest a lot of this to my mother because she's been through a lot and she always taught me to um, get through it, shoulder through it, stand up, don't give up, find your way. And I don't think if I didn't have that within me that I would be where I'm at now. Well, that's an awesome mentality, right on. Okay, well, yeah, totally. I guess you, you have that question down pat. Um, it's my reality, so it's an easy one to answer. Cool. Um, so the next question, then let's just move on. I, I appreciate that answer. Um, and, and this one is, hmm, I mean, in, in relation to that last question, this one might, might be more interesting now for you in your life. Um, what is worth dying for? And um, does any cause hold weight anymore or For me, now? what is worth dying for? Um, protecting myself or those that I love. I am not materialistic. I am blessed that I have a good life and that I can take care of myself. But what means the most to me is people in my world that um, have remained beside me through all the things I've been through. And I have a fantastic group of friends that I've had most of them, most of my life for more than 30 years. And for every one of us, I think we would all do whatever we needed to for each other. So I don't think beyond those that you love, there's not, that's what I would die for, protecting them or protecting myself. Hmm. Because to me, it's like, what else, you know, outside of fighting for our country, you know, I... Well, do you think that that's a cause worthy? I wish I would have served. Hmm. I didn't. I wish I would have. But, um, where does that patriotism come from? My grandfather came to the U.S. in 1906 with $100 in his pocket, and he lived, truly lived the American dream. Hmm. He was an extremely successful businessman in Chicago, and um, truly believed in what was brought to him and given to him, and, and, uh, you know, I not only got um, that frame of mind from him, but, you know, the work ethic and the, you know, we just, he saw so much opportunity when he came here. Um, you know, having that kind of role model was pretty amazing. So. So that made you believe in this country and want to stand behind it to the point of? Um, I think, I think there's challenges as far as if you choose to serve our country, you choose to serve our country regardless of the politics behind it. I may not necessarily agree with the politics behind it, but if I was in the military and I was serving our country, I'd be doing it for the purposes of protecting our country. Mm -hmm. And if you're out there fighting for our country, you have to believe in the fact that you are doing some good <laughs> or you need to change your objective to why you're there. So, and that can be challenging. And, you know, especially the political climate has been a lot of adversity. Mm -hmm. And I would probably struggle more with it now than I may have in the past. 
Yeah, that's actually a very interesting topic that I don't particularly. We're not going to go into, into that because yeah. we could spend hours there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, but I would just as a side note, I would like to interview someone that is in the military just to get a different perspective because all of us civilians, we can say all of these kind of things and it doesn't really mean anything when you know, we don't have the government telling us directly what to do on a daily basis, hour by hour. Exactly. Um, Alright, that's, I think that is a fair answer. Um, I don't I don't know if I uh, if I would die for this country, but I think I would. The more that I, the more that I think about it, and when I was lit, when I lived overseas, I I had the wrong perspective about the United States because I was kind of embarrassed about it, and I told people I was Canadian sometimes just because I didn't want to hear it because. There's times I've wanted to move to Canada because I have family there and I could easily have a secondary country that I'm from. Oh, yeah, totally. So, no, I, I, but I, after I moved back, though, I, I don't know, I, as I'm becoming a different person, I feel like that I am, uh, I'm slowly appreciating my privilege of being an American, I guess, so... I still don't know if I'd die for it, though. Anyway, all right. Um, I mean, you sort of started to talk about this already, but um, where does your inspiration come from? Um, a lot of it from my mom. Um, my mom had very challenging past, and... Uh, talk about it. Let's elaborate on that a little bit. Very, <laughs> very difficult. Just read um, digest version. Reader's Digest, uh, my father was a very bad person, hmm. uh, criminal. Um, oh, like outwardly, legally bad person. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm very honest, so he was a uh, sexually, sexually social deviant, mm -hmm. and she had to go through a horrible horrible experience of court case and all kind of ugliness on top of his alcoholism and he was in prison and these are things that weren't fully shared with me until I was about 16 or 17 mm -hmm. because of being able to take that in and emotionally manage it and mm -hmm. uh, taught me the strength that she had that's cool of her priority was raising my brother and I and that she had to make a choice of um, what she was going to do and her choice was to separate from that circumstance and make sure she was the best parent she can be on her own with zero help yeah. ever so and she she did it with no help and she just taught us that no matter what hits you in life you you get through it. You find your strength for whatever it takes. And that is where my mindset, I, I think, has always been. Hmm. Is I know no matter what ugliness I might have to face, that I can get through it. So even in my darkest days, I was still able to find that 
Yeah. And grasp that. Well, that's awesome. So you think that, I mean, yeah. Anything, be, anyone besides your mom, you think that really inspires you or is, is that kind of it? I would have to say my brother was part of it too because my brother just instinctively took the role of being a protective big brother. Cool. It was never, I mean, he picked on me in a fun way and we, you know, kind of picked on each other. But when it came down to looking out for mm-hmm. me, he took the role of no one's going to mess with my sister because there was no one else to protect me. And so he, he had to, which was, I'm sure challenging for him, he had to step into a role that maybe he wasn't, you know, fully ready for at, at a young age, but he never has failed me. It, even to this day in always being protective and caring. So, you know, I think when you go through a difficulty like that and you bond together and your goal is to just follow the best path you can and that's, you know, that's what you do. Yeah. And we also, you know, I think because of my grandfather and my mother and, um, we were all raised with a work ethic and, um, you know, we had to have jobs at a young age because mom couldn't afford to pay for school clothes. Mom couldn't afford to pay for our shoes for sports. And Mm -hmm. so we had to learn how to, how to take care of ourselves and help her. So we had chores, we had jobs, we had, you know, so we had responsibility at a young age too, which I think helps you maybe mature at a different level than some people do. Yeah, no, I get that. Hmm. Do you do you have any conversations with your brother about your dad or the lack thereof? Or does that, I mean, does that hold a... We've never, well, we talked a little about my dad when he passed because when he passed away, it was because he had a... Um, uh, heart bypass surgery and when he got home from that he decided to go out drinking with his buddies and he died that night and so you know it was when we talked about it it was it was more about we couldn't figure out why we cried and then we when we talked we realized it was the sadness for what we never had sure more than the the loss it was it was the disappointment of not having had that but then again we also had a stepdad was that was in our life for 40 years so there was a there was a weird balance that you know we had we had a stronger accept, acceptance of our stepdad when our father died too yeah you know it was a okay you know I think there was always this hope of maybe he'll try and then the discovery that that that's not going to happen and further acceptance of the person that had been been there for us. Right. And I think it takes a certain transition sometimes for kids in, you know, mixed mixed families like that. Mm-hmm. And we were close with our siblings. I was closer than, with my stepdad than my brother was, but... 
after um, our father died, I think there was more bonding all the way through. So. Cool. All right. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you just seem very inspired anyway. Um, I've but. done a lot of work on myself in my <laughs> life. Well, that's good. And I have no fear of talking about, I have no regrets from the past. I've not had an easy one, but I love my life. Cool. Well, do you feel in control of your life? Not all the time. I have insecurities. I have, you know, I, I work very hard. I give too much to my work which I think hurts my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm also independent to the point sometimes where even though I want a partnership of someone in my life, I think that I can come across as not needing it or intimidating. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I'm a very open and kind person, but... I don't know how other people see me. I only know who I am. Yeah. So, hmm. I love where my life is at. I love that I learned to love myself. I thought it was selfish to care about yourself first. And then I realized that if you don't, that you're not being the best you can be for anyone else. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think we all, I think a lot of us have this challenge of really knowing where we fit sometimes. Um, I agree, 100%. I do know that I don't make resolutions because I try every day to be the best person I can be. I want to be kind, I want to be caring, I want to be friendly, I want to be loving, I want to be true to myself. I want, you know, I don't. I I want to be respectful, but I also want to protect myself. And if that means that I have to have difficult conversations, I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I don't allow drama in my life because after you've dealt with severe depression and you've dealt with um, things outside of your control, if things are stressing you, you need to deal with them, or at least I do. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to have those conversations, which aren't, sometimes are very hard, but I always try to be respectful in those conversations because I don't want drama within my world. Yeah. And if people bring drama to me in my world and they're not healthy people that continue to do so, I don't allow those people to remain in my world because they're not serving us with honesty as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it sounds like control is what it sounds like. Yeah, and like I don't... Describing. Yeah, my ex-husband was excessively controlling, so I, I, I do not do well with manipulation and control and mm-hmm. people that bring drama. I, I just, I won't facilitate that. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, but as far as things that might hold you down do you think that you think that your work is one of those things i think even my, though it's essential but you i think my work um 
unfortunately, because of the growth and change and stuff that's going on there, I think they take advantage of me because I'm good at what I do and yeah. I've been reliable for a very, very long time. And, you know, they keep saying there's light at the end of the tunnel. And the hard thing for me is I love what I do. My job is of value, but I'm tired of being tired. Yeah. And I think that brings me down. And I think the other thing that brings me down, in all honestly, honesty, is I always thought I'd be someone like my brother that had, you know, 25 years in marriage and kids. And and I'm, I'm facing that I've been with within my own space a lot alone, and that's not something I expected. Mm-hmm. And that makes me sad. That makes my heart sad. Um, especially because I am an open and caring person. But I don't know how others perceive me, so mm-hmm. I sometimes wonder, am I representing myself in a way that makes it so I'm unapproachable. I don't, I don't know. I only know who I am. I don't know how people see me from the yeah. outside of me. But the, it sounds like the, the white picket fence ideal is something that you... I had wanted. Yeah. Never had. Strove for. Hmm. And I think it's because I had grandparents that were together forever. And I've, my brother has had this amazing relationship with his wife and has... I mean, I don't have kids, and they have nephews that I just... I moved back here to be here for them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted kids, don't have them. So, you know, I I am present for all of my friends and family that have kids because I want them to know I'm here for them, too, because I don't have that option at this point. So, hmm. Very interesting. That's what we got. I'm, a, I, I, I'm someone that wants to give to others. Yeah. I have, I have a huge heart, <laughs> which I think is sometimes hard for me and the gift that I want to give. There's, you know, mm-hmm. just want to share and be there for people. Yeah. Well, that's amazing in and of itself um all right well let's let's move on to the one that you feel like you had some problems with yeah okay so what have you done that is truly wrong and can something be truly wrong jumping into morals and ethics here and the thing with I I was raised the human condition really in a very naive my mother was extremely naive I was extremely naive I how so like how did that happen um you just watched the Brady Bunch and thought that was life we didn't even watch that much TV when I was little (laughs) I mean my we were outside playing and being kids and going and doing and sports and just active and um, I think my mom sheltered us in some ways because of what she'd been through 
And that doesn't sound like being sheltered. That sounds like being what you're supposed to be. Well, yeah, she was well, and I mean, I I fell in love with with someone or thought I did when I was a sophomore in college. We were together until we got married as seniors. You know, way too young for him, not so for me, because my mindset was, you know, you follow this pathway. Uh-huh. But uh, as far as doing something wrong, I I know this may sound really, I don't believe I've done something that either hurt myself or someone in such a way that it was so wrong that I, because I am so honest and I'm such an open book and Wow. I <laughs> you can't think of I anything, can't huh? think of anything where you know, I I told little white lies to my mom about getting in late, but I wasn't doing anything that mo- was morally or okay, I drank before I was 21, you know, but Sure. Yeah. I tried pot, but you know, it wasn't anything that I would extraordinarily say that Oh, no, no, that's definitely not what's truly wrong. No, and I, because I think I was raised with pretty strict morals and ethics that I I didn't make choices that would take me into a space like that. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That is completely not me. I just, and, and I... And I think that being naive and being, you know, who I was at the age that some people were maybe doing those things, I just, by the time I might have done them, I was married and I was true to that situation, even though it didn't end up well. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not someone that would have ever cheated. I was not some, you know, and I was, that was just morally embedded in me. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I would never want to hurt someone in that way. So. Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, you never like <laughs> kicked a cat or <laughs> or. No. <laughs> not the kicking for me. Kicking no. a cat is there's nothing wrong with that, but. Um, no, I shot badgers on the farm that were chasing us, and we were tossing hay. But you know, pretty sure they deserved it because they're yeah. scary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Gosh. Well, I envy you in that aspect. Uh, I think growing up up in a really small town makes a big difference. Yeah? I mean, there was, what, 1,500, 1,600 people in the farm town I grew up in. I wouldn't trade anything for that. Hmm. Because you know everyone. You look out for everyone. There was a couple outlier kids that got in a lot of trouble. But for the most part, we all kind of were there for each other. Yeah. And we still... I run into a lot of them in Spokane here. And it's just kind of... It becomes a family. And I think, I think when you don't grow up in some of the more difficult, big, bigger city environments where you have some of the influences that we didn't have in a small town makes a big difference. 
And it's hard to get in trouble if you're going from school out to pick rock and move irrigation pipe and work harvest and, you know, I mean, you have responsibilities yeah. that maybe not other kids had when they're in a the bigger school. And Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> you're you get... learning a lot about me. <laughs> I mean, how'd you get into radio then if you were a farm girl? Um, I got into radio because I went to uh, college for communications and broadcasting. And then I went to Seattle and I was a media buyer for an advertising agency. And then my husband, my first husband at the time, got a job um, in Tri-Cities. And so I went over there and I got hired on as a... Um, copywriter, commercial copywriter, and uh, um, um, administrative manager for the radio station. So I was writing all the commercials, um, doing some voiceovers, mm -hmm. um, and uh, when we got divorced, I came to Spokane, and I worked for Citadel Broadcasting for eight years, running... Um, commercial production and scheduling for eight radio stations. So I, it was just, I think my work ethic, it was, was what drove me for whatever I did. I yeah. think to this day it does. Because the one absolute I've had in my entire life is that I've always excelled in my jobs and my career. That's and the absolute that you've had? You don't have any other absolutes? I, well, uh, relationships have been, so, um, yeah, um, I spent 45 years of my life trying to find a non-present father mm -hmm. that wouldn't be there for me, and it took me three years of counseling to recover from that. Mm. So you don't realize, even though I was five or six years old and I have almost no memories of my father, I have what, you don't know what affects you at that age, and so... What I found in my life, unfortunately, was people that couldn't be present or available, but I thought that was normal. Yeah. So, you know, I think the thing now is that I'm making the choices in the relationships that I have in my life, and I know that whatever choices I'm making now are healthy choices for me. But it took a lot of work to get there, and realizing the pattern I had been following. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and the joke of, oh, it's all about the father. Well, you know, not necessarily, but in this case it was. And, you know, you don't know what your psyche brings in when you're at certain ages in your life. And what you expect to see as a role model and what your perception is and what you know or feel and how that embeds itself within you. It's it's crazy how it can remain within you for so long before you understand it. Hmm. <laughs> I know that's pretty deep. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean I, I can I can relate to that in a lot of ways. All right. Well Can I be more honest? <laughs> I Probably not. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I think it's perfect. So, we have two more questions. 
Oh boy. Um, and and yeah, this question. Hierarchy. Yeah, the hierarchical question. It's a. Uh, what is your opinion about the natural hierarchical order in reference to humanity? Um, I just I I need to refine this question. I think too. It's it's when I say it out loud, it seems very convoluted. I the reason that I thought about this in the first place is basically because of like the the season that our society is in right now. Um, more than anything, that's and 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 I know that it affects everybody in some way or another. Um, whether it be uh, systemic racism or um, the patriarchy or whatever, um, but that's the, that's like my thoughts behind it. Is like how do I how do I ask this question without saying um, something too specific that people can think about and and really think about which it sounds like you did you did some research so well for me when i looked at um the chart of hierarchy and you know your basic needs and finding self-fulfillment and needing to have you know friends and um understanding the environment around you um i think as far as um the balance of what I need or want in my life is in a fairly good place. I know where I struggle, but when you're talking about where the world is right now and um, the concerns that I have as far as the perspectives of where I've seen from what my grandfather experienced coming to this country and from where we're at now and being concerned that we've been went backwards and you know I, I don't like to get too political I, I try to I try to see what I would want, I guess, my honest, my truth of what I would want to see so that there was more balance for all of us mm -hmm. is that I think we've lost a lot of the treating others like you want to be treated, the respect, um, the uh, honoring of so many people that work so hard but are getting nowhere um you know what classism i i just think there's just too much better than when there needs to be more more balance with among all of us there needs to be an understanding that we are all human beings we may not agree on things. We may not see things the same way. But we have to stop condemning others for thinking differently because this is a free country where we came 
and where we were allowed to think how we wanted to be, why did it become something that was so divided when what we should be doing is trying to find a supportive balance? Mm -hmm. And I, I terrified because I don't see that happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I see so much. I, it's like, I see racism getting worse. I see, um, attitudes towards people that are supposed to protect us, that people are negative towards them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, People that, oh, you shouldn't be fighting for a country, but, you know, some of these kids had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a healthy family life. They didn't have, you know, what's their life going to be? They thought they'd go into military and it would help them find a pathway. And then they're judged because they're making choices to fight for a country. And I, I just, yeah. there is so much non-balanced perspective and... And I don't want to say, can't we just all get along? Because we are going to have differing thoughts, but there is so so much lack of respect because we do. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of friends that have different political views. And I have many people I won't discuss certain things with because we choose to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. I like them as a person. I respect who they are. I may not like this point of view or that point of view, but if you respect me for mine, I'll respect you for yours. I wish we could come to a closer balance, but I think that so many people are just trying so hard to find a balance just getting through each and every day. And... You know, 30, 40 years ago in the 60s when there was protests and people that were able to... People right now are trying to feed their families and get through life. They can't leave their jobs for two or three weeks to go march on Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. They can't represent like because they're trying to put food on the table and pay bills and pay taxes and... I know I feel like I'm rambling, but it just seems no, like there's so much dis, there's so much disorder when if people could just sit down and be respectful to each other, we would get a lot farther. I agree. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. But I mean, all of what you just said is really why I I I want. Um, your opinion about the natural hierarchical order and do you think that the way things are going is in fact because of that or do you think that um, we are a product of our environment of the information age of uh, in none of what is happening now to all of us in well I mean I'm speaking in the Western society but do you think that this is happening because it's unnatural, actually? This is not really the natural hierarchical I don't. I feel that <clears throat> living in a social media world, that to me isn't a reality of all's opinion. Mm. 
is damaging to the true thoughts. I mean, I've never tweeted. Most of my friends have never tweeted. We are all very healthy voting age. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's something that has created a life of its own mm -hmm. that has become something unnatural. Well, something that has grown its own legs and yeah. it is not healthy. Hmm. It's, you know, in my view, it's like, um, you're not hearing a reality if you're college age and can vote and you're living on social media. I agree. You know, you're, you're not living reality. You're not living reality if you're watching um, Fox News, which is very, you know, this Bias. way or that way, you know, and I it just, and it, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of truth in what is really happening. And what do you know to be right or wrong anymore? Sure. That's why I have I that just, question is... One of my questions, because, I mean, what what's really right and wrong anymore? Um, well, let me take a weird, sudden left turn. You can. Um, let's let's jump into the world of sci-fi real quick. Okay. What if, and we've all seen the movies, if we have aliens come to our planet and they're going to take over or whatever? What do you think that we are in such disarray as? A human race that we would not be able to come together at that point. This is actually something that Ronald Reagan said <laughs> at one point. He said, unless, or he believed that if aliens really came to take over this, this planet, we deep down are good enough people that we would forget all of our stupid differences and say, we need to stay alive on this planet before we decide what partisan party you're part of, you know, or whatever. Um, what do you think about something? I know that that's super extreme, but what do you no, think about that? I, super and extreme. actually, I don't think it's that super extreme. But No, I think there are, I think there's a, enough good people on this planet that we would band together. I think there would be some extremists that disagreed with us. And I think that given a do-or-die situation, um, that those that choose to stand and remain would be a very strong group. Coming from the perspective of me being part of that group. <laughs> well, of course. Because <laughs> I would... I would want to represent as, you know, we got this. No, you know, we, we can maintain a better society. And, and this is something I haven't not thought of over the last couple of political years. So, um, hmm. so you think 
Um, I think ethics and morality has been taking a backseat and that there's a lot of us out there. I think there's a lot of people that wanted to see something different and they're still supporting that. But I think that some of those people, when it came to making a life or death decision, would make a choice to unite rather than to secede to mm -hmm. something else. But there would some there would be some that wouldn't. So this is, and do you think you think those choices are innate part of humanness? Like that that's that's a natural thing that we would do. For all of the people that I know personally, yes. For those that that would want to stand up and and um, yeah, I think that. I, love I would hope to believe that most of us, that's an innate response. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, me too. I mean... I, I can't speak I, for others, but I, based on the people that I know in, the, in my world, I feel that we would all unite because I only have people that I trust. Mm -hmm. and, so, and a lot of us think very similarly, so I, I, I think that we would want to be there for each other. Yeah. I think that we'd have the outliers, but um, you have that anyway. Yeah. I, so. think, that, I think that's a great ideal. Um, that way. All right. That answer was awesome. How about the last question then? You what know, is your theme song? So I had like, that was one of the hardest. Um, that's the hardest one for me, that's for sure. Because I like all genres of music. I have so many songs that mean so much to me. I have, I mean, I'm from everything from my grandfather's favorite song with Luciano Pavarotti all the way over to Queensryche. <laughs> full spectrum, right? Um... I love the song Brave by Sarah Bareilles. Um, can you sing a couple of lines? Because I don't know. I can play it for you. No. <laughs> no, it's a, she wrote it um, for one of her best guy friends that was almost, well, he was suicidal because he was coming out. He was gay. Mm -hmm. He was terrified. And she wrote it for him about being brave. And it ended up being a song that resonated internationally for being brave through cancer, being, you know, sure. getting through difficult times. And, and then another song. Um, Do you know, can you sing any lines to the song? Or brave, just... uh, not off the top of my head, but... Um, the other one was, I was thinking, what, oh, let me see, what was the, um, oh God, I was listening to it early today, Fight Song, I was like, this fight. is my fight song, um, it's all about empowerment and finding your way and, um, 
overcoming obstacles and you know those are the two first songs that came to my mind and then I thought about what are songs that I've listened to a lot over the years that have meant a lot to me and uh, The River by Garth Brooks um, ever changing as it flows you know Mm -hmm. Life is like a river ever changing as it flows, you know, you learn to adapt and there's, I don't know that I have any one, but I would say the ones that mean the most are the ones about adapting and finding strength and um, surviving. Um, I've been through in my life things that people probably would have taken their life five or six times over for. And I truly think that by the strength that I've had within me, that I've been lucky and blessed to have within me, that that is a road I haven't gone, gone down. And uh, I don't know that the song's been written yet for... <laughs> I just, I'm gonna, I'm starting, I want to write my own book about finding your way. And it, it, it's, and I've been talking about that for years, but you have to get to a certain point before you can put the words down. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> that was good.